Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We should maybe Kato could cut this out and put it at the beginning and we can leave it in both places, but we should probably tell people that we're hiring. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're hiring. Uh, we have a position posted. It's for a producer. No, we're not firing Kato. <laughs> um, Shit. <laughs> yeah, sorry you had to find out this way, ma'am. Uh, your position's being listed, but don't even worry about it. Wink. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely. Could, just could you put all your logins and shit in a file for how, us? How do I run a stream? I just out of my own curiosity. <laughs> That's yeah. why Rob asked me. <laughs> uh, no, so I mean, the the thing is, we have a bit of an odd job listing because it's a bit of a strange job. Like, there's a few different ways. That the position could be developed. Like the the short answer is, we are incredibly short staffed. We have a lot of needs. We could build around a lot of different skill sets. Uh, but f- the 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 big takeaway here is that we are hiring uh, for a senior level position here at Waypoint. Um, and you can find the listing. Well, there'll probably be something, uh, you know, in the in the post for this episode. Uh, but obviously, Patrick and I have been tweeting about it as well. Yeah. Uh, so the position is remote uh, and it is listed as a producer. But in, in fact, like if you notice the job description, sure emphasizes like reporting, writing, editing. I mean, the short version is like we, we didn't write the we had influence over how it was written. There's you've been in a big company, HR, yada, 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 like. I mean, the, the basic pitch is like, we want to find someone to work with. And yeah. like, that that's what it is. Like, you know, uh, so we're, we're trying to cast a really wide net. Um, we're trying to be really open-minded on like who that person could be. Um, so we don't, you know, we, we put in the kinds of things we're looking for, but mostly as a way of like, you know, like I said, casting that wide, wide net. I don't think we're looking for some, a hyper-specific type of person with a hyper-specific skill set, because I think if we find a person that we are really gel with or interested in like we can scale waypoint in a lot of different ways. Like that's part of what waypoint plus allows us to do is to be choosier about that. There's like a different world where, yeah, the person we're hiring absolutely has to be someone that can be doing news and reported features that can hopefully get, you know, one out of 10 of them can hit on Reddit so we can get our numbers up. And that's just not the case. So we're, you know, part of what we're doing here is Rob and I are also thinking through like who would we want to work with? And I think that's like more than anything is like, because of what we do, a lot of streams, podcasts, all like stuff like that would be, you know, pretty critical in what someone is doing here. We want to be able to get along like someone and make cool shit and like talking to them for hours and hours and hours and on end. And then we can kind of, we can kind of go from there. So, um, I don't know. I've been telling people who, uh, Various levels of experience, like, I don't know, shoot your shot. We're 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 trying to keep an open mind about it too, uh, in terms of uh of what we're gonna uh, move forward with. But um right now we're in that phase of just trying to see who's who's interested in coming to work with us potentially. Yeah. 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 
What's good, Internet? It's Monday. What's good, Internet? It's November 9th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 440. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Patrick Klopik. I'm here. Uh, our producer, Ricardo Contreras. Someone's got a case of the Mondays. I saw somebody do, I know that, uh, sorry, I finished your intro. I, I'm, I stop, I'll, I'll continue this in a moment. No, it's fine. Uh, and we're also welcoming uh, our NFT correspondent, Jordan Pearson, uh, fresh from Motherboard. <laughs> I'm going to get you for calling me that, but <laughs> thanks for having me. Jordan just, uh, is it, Jordan just aped in to our podcast? Uh, yeah, baby. To just went big on Waypoint NFTs. Give it time. Waypoint.nft should point to something. I feel I don't know what I don't know what the the, the answer to that is. Um, I that's <laughs> just a black website it. with white text on it that says "fuck NFTs." That's yeah, all. You yeah, need. yeah, that's good. That's good. NFT loaded with JPEGs. Patrick, what did you have? No, I was just gonna see, made a Garfield joke, and I just wanted it before it left my brain. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you even find this on Twitter, but. Matthew Barry. Oh, my God. uh, What We Do in the Shadows, IT crowd, like a bunch of British comedies that I need to go catch up on someday. Anyway, someone did like, why don't you cast Matthew Barry as uh, Garfield and imitated his voice? And it was one of the the greatest videos I've ever seen. Can't do it any justice. Just I needed to spit that out and go to go find that somehow. And your your day will be made. I promise. So uh, today we're going to be talking about something that. Jordan is very, I don't know if excited is the right word, but mm. it's been an ongoing uh, story in video games and it's being touted as the wave of the future, uh, or at least an answer to someone's uh, someone's problems. Uh, Jordan, you wrote a piece recently for us about the propagation of NFTs in games and the fact that, at least ostensibly, some of the big publishers, uh, EA and Ubisoft especially, are staking out major positions on saying that like they look forward to an NFT powered uh, future for gaming. Um, And to a degree, the future is already here, but then also in addition to the concerns that already exist around NFTs, you sort of feel that there's a lot of moral hazards uh, just involved with like crossing the NFT in gaming streams. And so I wanted you, wanted you to talk us through like, how this landscape is evolving and like what we're already seeing for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I always think about that, like, you know, William Gibson quote, I mean, that I hope is not uh, a wrong internet quote, but I've seen it everywhere. Just like, you know, the future now is already I hope here. It is. It's now, probably, yeah. it is. now I'm going to be That's, wrong. Just you never right want to say that before you say the quote, <laughs> but I, I appreciate you giving the caveat. But like, you know, you know, the future is here, but like, it's not, it's just not evenly distributed. It's like, you know, that term and like i think that's really true here so like when we hear about like nft games and stuff uh i think it's important to talk about what's actually happening and the fact that this has like already taken off in like the global south just like in not not in north america so like everything that i'm talking about now like is already happening and is already like taking in billions of dollars just what is so i jordan i've been looking at this axie infinity thing i don't know if it'll turn into a story but i've done i've talked to a lot of people about that axie infinity is a pokemon knockoff that looks like crap, plays extremely poorly, 
but is in this play to earn model, right? Which is like yes. the term they're throwing around, making a lot, raising a lot of VC money off of. And Axie is one of the most popular, if not the most popular example of this. And this is one of those games that, as you mentioned, is popular in places like the Philippines in which people can earn more money doing the dailies on Axie Infinity than they can to, like doing a local job if they can even find one like in, yeah. in, in really dire uh, poor economic conditions um but like it's like there's a lot of money being raised but also Axie infinity is like a pyramid scheme in which like the function of the main function of the economy in that game is for people who have a lot of money to buy up the nft pokemon and then engage in a scholarship program which is where they dole out these pokemon to people so they can play it on their accounts, grind it out, and then they take a they skim off the profits of these people. And it just seems like that is that seems unhealthy. And like that's that's my exposure to this so far. And I was curious in your in your piece because you kind of envisioned a world where maybe this could be different. How how it all doesn't just seem horrible. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, I don't really see a world where it's different. I see a world where <laughs> it goes mainstream, um, which is not a good world necessarily, <laughs> but I see how it fits in really clearly um, to like how game companies can make more profit and sort of capture what's like already happening. So, I mean, like you mentioned, like uh, Axie, like it's basically an investment that you play. So you can draw a straight line to Axie from things like crypto kitties, uh, like NFTs that took off like a lot earlier. And so like, you know, you buy this like cute character, but it's not just your Twitter avatar. Like it also becomes your little character in a game and you like earn more money and stuff. Um, the way I see this sort of fitting into like what game companies are doing is if you look at something like Blanco's Block Party, which is another really popular uh, NFT game, like basically they're selling players skins uh, and they can be like branded skins, like clothing brands, like Burberry did one and people want to buy these for like hundreds of dollars. But the key thing is that these items are on a blockchain and what that means is that you're not just buying a skin for clout in the game, you're buying a skin to sell to someone else, which is then an investment. So, you know, you buy your skin and then like there's only a limited number of them. So they go up in value on like this marketplace that the company controls. So like a lot of this might have happened like on like third party marketplaces or like sketchier places on the web before where people are like, you know, trading gun skins or whatever the case may be. Um, but the difference now is that the company itself is like capturing that market and, you know, making a profit by like skimming, uh, off of the top of that marketplace. Isn't that just like the, I mean, doesn't Valve, are, I mean, it's funny that Valve yeah. was in the news for this recently because they explicitly said they, they're not going to allow crypto, like, you know, NFT games on, on Steam. And yet one kind of help, but wonder could part of the motivation there be that Valve themselves essentially pioneered a form of NFT uh, crypto games in their own hat marketplaces? Uh, like the modding, like you can buy and sell, you know, uh, Team Fortress 2 hats and, and Dota, hat, like all these different uh, sort of things that are proprietary to Steam. You can make money in Steam. And, and, and in a sense, like Valve has already been kind of like doing like this, what is, you know, I guess kind of broadening out here and is outside of ex exclusively Steam's um, proprietary marketplace. But there, there's a certain irony in the fact that Valve was doing a lot of this 10, 15, I mean, Diablo 3, also a game that famously yeah. launched and had a uh, 
you know, the, the payment marketplace where you could buy and sell player items, which people fucking hated and broke the entire balance of the game to the point that they basically had to reboot Diablo three to turn it into a game that people wanted to play. Um, so I just think it's interesting. That there actually seem to have been examples of this sort of dynamic in play, but now it's just raising like a ton of external capital as there is this rush to, well, NFTs and crypto are like obviously a thing, but, um, there's now there's this rush of capital coming into it um, without necessarily, I don't know, answers for like, what is this all for? What is it doing? There's a lot of money in it. People want people want to be in it, which is why EA right. and Ubisoft are issuing statements. I yeah. guess I just I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out where what that actually practically means in in the short term beyond just, you know, a, a, an NFT experiment for Assassin's Creed by Ubisoft two years ago. I mean, I don't think we're like, I think we're, you know, a lot of people talk about like NFTs and like the quote unquote metaverse as if like, you know, you're going to be able to have items that you take from Far Cry to Assassin's Creed to like, you know, you have this item that's on a blockchain that you take with you. But I think we're far more likely to see something like Axie or Blanco's Block Party come out of like a major studio. Like it just makes more sense to me to like have like a self-contained like game slash ecosystem that Mm -hmm. is not just a game. It's also an investment. It's also the stock market, you know, shit that's like really addicting, but like, and like, you know, somewhat problematic, but like is kind of already happening elsewhere, just like outside of like the official um, like game. Um, So I think it's like, I think it's more like, I mean, in the piece, like I write about this sort of like nightmare scenario where it's like, okay, like what if like, what if you had like a Final Fantasy 14, like, you know, a triple A product, something along those, like on that scale. But, you know, what if in that game you had like rare sponsored item drops that you can actually sell to other players in like as an investment? What if like you earn tokens from playing that game like all day? Like how many people would get completely hooked on that and like, you know, put their finances into it? Like, I think probably a lot of people like that sounds like a very like irresistible and like addicting package to me. And also like seems really clearly like, you know, not so far outside of what they're already doing, but easily integrates ideas from like Axie and like Blanco's Block Party and these other games. Um, And like, I mean, I even talk about like, you know, like what if you could play it on your phone all the time, like Genshin Impact, like what if you had a triple A RPG that you could play anywhere that you earned money from playing all day and also like, you know, had like investing whales and stuff like that's like now sort of on the table. And uh, I mean, I don't know, like it's kind of like staring into a black hole. Like, I mean, what do you do when that happens? Like, I feel like a lot of people's lives basically suddenly just become that game, you know? I mean, yeah, like you have, we're already the gaming has like barely reckoned with or grappled with the notion of like games as addictive products that are psychologically engineered and researched to hook you to, to a degree that should probably be in the realm of regulation. And we haven't even touched that before we broached the notion of, but what if it could also pay your rent or have the, have the potential to, you know, pay for your, you know, for most people, maybe it's, you know, you're paying for, you know, a couple of drinks at the bar and it's not actually, you know, paying your, your rent if, you know, in, in theory. Um, but that's, I find that scary as shit. I don't think the game companies should be given, like, I don't think they don't seem responsible enough to, to pull that off. Um, cause they sure, sure as shit hasn't shown a whole lot of ethical restraint 
Um, prior, and like governments around the world are just barely catching up to even the idea of loot boxes. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, fine, we won't do loot boxes. We'll just monetize your time and turn it into, you know, Ethereum or whatever our like a proprietary currency is going to be for, uh, you know, the, the MMO we produce alongside it. Yeah, forget loot boxes. How about the stock market? Do you guys like that? <laughs> Turning up a big dial. <laughs> but a lot of this would still depend on the NFTs retaining some like meaningful real world value, which is not hard to imagine in games. Like, I mean, obviously, like if Steam trading cards within self-contained ecosystem that Valve created could end up being like a currency that people like invested time in exchanging like obviously i can see that that like games nfts uh doing something similar and retaining some value but to a degree like right now a lot of the value of uh various nfts out there is inflated via speculation right Mm -hmm. and some of what makes this seem attractive and feasible is that there's this argument of oh like the like there is real money to be made uh with with nfts and i am curious like there there's this whole other argument which is that like is the store value represented by an nft actually durable in any sense like what like is it anything other than a spot price sort of agreed on by a by a market and what happens if, like, as people pour into the game's NFT space, people realize, like, very little of this is actually anything more than a novelty, right? That, like, yeah. no matter how rare you make something, uh, it still doesn't have very much, like, inherent value, such as, um, you know, this is kind of where baseball cards ended up for a while there, uh, which was that the market, there were a lot of, like, inflated list prices for things. Uh, but then when it came time to like actually liquidate any of these things, value collapsed. Those were based for baseball cards, which are like actually like limited and like and historical. And there's just only so many like valuable baseball cards in the world. NFTs. I don't know that I, I trust that. I don't know that I trust that they are going to remain as interesting, a collectible and as an appealing as appealing a commodity as they are right now in the midst of the speculative bubble. And that's what a lot of this rush to get into the space seems to be about, right? Which is sort yeah. of cashing in on the values being being projected uh, rather than what's going to happen once NFTs become normalized in, yeah. in some regard. I think you're exactly right. Like, I mean, it's interesting because like a lot of these projects that have inflated values, like it's funny because like blockchain games are kind of like at the center of like 90% of scams in the NFT world. Like most NFT projects that have like crazy values are basically like, we're going to make a game. Like these NFTs are going to be your little character in a game that we're going to make down the road. And that's why you should buy into this now. So yeah, I mean like it's interesting because like here we're talking about like, well, what if that actually existed? Like forget these NFT projects that are promising a game. Like what if there actually was a game? And to me, like, I feel like the player doesn't even have to know it's an NFT. Like you never have to mention NFT to explain to someone that like, you're going to buy this item from us and then you're going to sell it on a marketplace to someone who wants to pay a lot more for it. And like, at that point, like, I feel like the, the NFT technology, like 
even more than just saying like, hey, amazing, you guys are getting NFTs for playing this game. Like you can just say like you're getting a rare item and you're going to be able to sell it on our peer to peer marketplace. And at that point, like NFT is the technical layer, like NFTs allow you to have like a peer to peer marketplace that is basically just like bank account to bank account with crypto in the middle. That is not that is almost like, you know, the the uh, the company can sort of sort of say their hands off from it. Like, hey, it's just a peer to peer marketplace. These are just smart contracts on blockchain and we just take a like skim off the top. Um, but like, I, I don't like, I, I see what you're saying. Why not run their own marketplaces wonder. though? I'm trying to find like, I was, yeah, was going to ask they already like, what is the scarcity? What is the functional <laughs> difference between that and the steam marketplace, for example, where you're already selling digital goods between, I mean, I think there's like a, a technical version of this, but functionally to like the, on the user end, does it seem that much different than what already exists there? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it actually seems much different from the user end as to what exists right now. But like, uh, I basically, I guess I can see it just like taking off more in a game, like when you have this like technology layer that can sort of like extend what's already happening in games and on storefronts. And I guess, I guess well, I guess I, I think I'm I'm pretty pessimistic about um, to kind of split the difference of what we're talking about here is like. I'm pretty pessimistic that like EA, Ubisoft, any of those companies are going to make meaningful inroads in this stuff. And a lot of what we're seeing right now is just exec handed uh, a card that says, this is big. Please mention it. The stockholders want us to be looking into the new buzzy thing. And I yeah. Ubisoft will publish an NFT game. It will not be an Assassin's Creed thing. It will be like some side project that like they throw a lot of darts. Like Ubisoft is at the forefront. Look back at technology in the last 15 years. Whenever Nintendo announced like a wacky new thing, um, you know who made a, a game for it? Ubisoft. Like they like to ride yeah. every single wave and cross for their sure. fingers. So they they will do something and maybe it'll be rabbits or whatever. But like they'll, they'll ride that on, on the side to see if it's anything. And if it's not, they'll just move on to the next one. I think what's more likely is like the Axie Infinity and games like that prove, obviously there's a stickiness to when you promise people money or the, the potential for money, like uh, fucking obviously, like if you're told <laughs> you could play something and also, you know, uh, get an economic benefit. Like I see that I, 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 it seems scummy as shit to me and hard to balance, but I certainly, like, it is impossible to deny the appeal of that. I think right. what's more likely is there is going to be so much external in, uh, investment into this space that you're going to peel off people who will, who understand games and like right now, there's a bunch of technology and a bunch of money, but no games or games that people want to play. Like Axie Infinity is not a fun game. Everyone I've talked right. to that plays it says it is trash. You no, are just miserable. there. It's 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 it is a horrible horrible video game that is just is functional. You can click things yeah. and the, the little things battle, but like it's not fun. It is it is not going to take take the crown from Pokemon, even if it'll um, you know uh, pay for things. But I think it is inevitable, as you're as you're mentioning, that like there's just too much uh, uh, cultural attention, financial attention that is going to shave off enough people that there will be true video games with like talented, smart people like taking a gamble because the money is just too big to say no to. And so go try and build a project around some, like the blockchain as a way of getting attention and, and, and investment. And then I guess I'm curious it's sort of like, well, prove to me why this could be anything meaningful beyond just you got a VC to sign off on a big fancy check. And maybe that's all it is. And it's, it's going to be like free to play where we'll look back in 10 years and we'll we'll notice like, oh, actually, OK, I think you, you could swap our conversation now with a lot of skeptic like earned skepticism out of things like free to play. And I think <laughs> rightful skepticism out of how gross free to play even is now as popular it is. So I don't think well, I think what you're saying is where it there is inevitability 
just because it's going to be popular amongst the mass market. Like, I agree with you. Same way, like, free-to-play was poo-pooed by everyone in our class of, like, sort of, like, critics and my colleagues. Like, and yet it went on to be, like, one of the more, now one of the dominant forms of of playing video games. And so I agree that it is probably headed in that direction. I don't know in what form, and I'm not sure how it's additive, but I certainly agree that it is it is going to be a thing. I don't know where it ends up, but it is going to be, like, it's going to be one of those things the next five years we see a bunch of weird experiments with. Yeah, I'm also pretty agnostic. Like, I'm with you. Like, I'm pretty agnostic on how this actually looks. I just see, like, I see so much money. I see that these things are already taking in billions. I see how it fits really easily with what game companies are already doing. And it just feels like someone's going to take a shot. Like, someone's going to throw that dart, like you were saying. And, you know, we're talking about Ubisoft and EA. But, I mean, we could be talking about China. Like, you know, China banned Bitcoin. But they're weirdly okay with NFTs over there. Like, they kind of love NFTs. Like, there was just a big NFT conference in China. Um, And, like, you know, we could see uh, something like, you know, Genshin Impact. Like, with MiHoYo coming out with this, like, unexpectedly wildly successful game. Like, you know, we could see that. And, like, similarly, like, you know, like, yeah. I think that was my cat. (laughs) <laughs> that was your cat. That's ominous. There was a jumping. stack of cash from he's jumping around some, some NFTs off at your. He place. doesn't like this, um, but like you know, like we you know we could see something come uh, from China and really take off because like yeah, people are making money on this thing and like hey, it has graphics and it actually has gameplay and right. you actually make a few bucks playing it all day. Well, Genshin like, Impact is a great example. Like that's that is. There are a lot, I know a lot of people, you know, Austin Walker, uh, you know, uh, our colleague included, who really dislike the economic structure of that game and do everything they can to dance around it, but also deeply love the game because it's a really, really good video game, right? So, like, that's an example of, of a game like capturing a wider audience than even just the free to play market, who are people who just want to play a game on their phone. And the quality of the game is not uh, inconsequential but is more incidental than it probably is for like the people on this call. And they manage to cram a game that feels nearly as good as a breath in the wild into that structure. And so it took a long time to like to get to a place where you got a game like that, but it's that almost just proves, you know, you know, that there's no reason to, you know, uh, anticipate that one couldn't do that with NFTs or blockchain or whatever you want to surround that with. And also I expect, I fully expect them to like, goose you know kind of like color up that language a little bit because there just seems to be like the term nft like gets such a reaction out of people at the moment i don't know how much that is just everyone i know on twitter fucking hates nfts and how how much of that is is more broad but i'd wonder if that you know you end up that's where the term play to earn comes from it's like okay let's get away from these really loaded these loaded phrases at the moment like nft and blockchain that make people either roll their eye or you know, get angry, basically play to earn. And I think that's really, uh, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue. It sounds also kind of gross, but you can see them already playing with language to try and find a way to like launder the ideas through in a different way. I mean, and a play to earn game doesn't need a blockchain. It doesn't need NFTs. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if play to earn takes off and like maybe the initial form is NFTs and stuff, like maybe there'll be a play to earn game that doesn't use that, but still like, you know, has, you know, an auxiliary market, that's right. owned by the company where people are right. like, this could happen. Um, but like, you know, NFTs might just be like the impetus or like the the first form. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think play to earn, like I see it fitting within the kind of like the pantheon of dubious business models that like we've all become like very accustomed to. And like, I mean, Genshin Impact, like what if they, you know, what if they dropped like limited, like 10 character, like 10 versions of this character that has a, I don't know, fucking Supreme hat. And then like, you know, they sell that, like whoever buys those 10 characters can sell that to other players. Like, I mean, that could happen. Like I could see that. <laughs> like, I don't see people why not. fucking riot, I feel like. But the thing that fascinates me so much about this is, you know, as we've already alluded to, any game maker could do that already. Like any, any sort of live service game could like make that little notation by your account that like, Hey, this account owns this, this rare item. This is what happens with like limited, limited time event uh, skins, all these things. This is how the, the scarcity is created. So much of this seems to be about like, (laughs) I, I feel like, NFTs are new enough and novel enough that some of the discourse around them treats them as if, oh, this is a this is a new fascinating sort of like uh, like economic asset uh, that people are experimenting with and investing in. Whereas I think if like you were doing this with a lot of live games where, hey, we are selling the single the only one account is going to have this in the world. The bidding is open. People would probably correctly identify that as like wildly exploitative and like sort of self-dealing by these companies. But if you're saying, well, it's an NFT and it's going to go on this peer-to-peer marketplace after the initial creation of value, mm-hmm. uh, then it's all good. Then this isn't, then this isn't uh, create like creating space. It's outside the, the system, store. Rob. Pardon? I said it's outside the system. That's what the blockchain. You're, you don't have to be in the, stru- the structure anymore. You're out of it. You're yeah. good to go. I mean, there is kind of like a, I mean, whether this is like, you know, fictitious or like mythical thinking or not, you know, you know, it, it kind of is by definition. But, um, you know, it does kind of add this sheen of like, you know, you actually own this. It is yours. Like you as a like it is not this game company that owns this token. You as an individual actually own this token now. It that's why I think they're not going to no- do it. His game companies fucking love like you right now when you buy a game on Xbox Live, Xbox Marketplace, you don't own that game. You don't. You have a license for it. You do. Yeah. You didn't do shit. Like and so. But also like, the other part is those tokens have no use outside the game. Like I mean, no right. one who is because the metaverse the game is not going to happen buy. where you're going to take your little character and be like, and now to plug it into something else. That's yeah, not, that's my, not Halo, my Halo skin, my Master Chief skin NFT skin is not like going into Horizon Five on yeah, my PlayStation for sure. That's well, actually Master biggest Chief's going into Horizon Five on <laughs> on Xbox, but yeah, it's probably not PlayStation. <laughs> and they'll Damn. all be in Hideo yeah. Kojima's next game as holograms. That's, that's where all this is heading. I think. But the the other part of this, obviously, is that um, the idea is that the amount of back end upkeep of NFT registries and such just creates an enormous amount of uh, energy waste and environmental impact, uh, powering uh, like like powering this form of collectible. And right now. The argument is, well, it's it, you know, it's it's a drop in the bucket of the overall climate picture. Uh, But if these things become massively adopted, where now everyone is running NFT marketplaces, like it would seem like if the concerns around the 
energy costs of NFT transactions bear out, uh, then the expansion of this market would be needlessly damaging to accomplish something that broadly, one, doesn't need to be accomplished, and two, broadly, the functions already exist via other avenues of exchange. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you're exactly right. Like Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin are like, you know, they're not good for the environment. And like Axie runs on Ethereum. So that's that's pretty bad for the environment. <laughs> but I think the other thing is like, and like, you know, this may eventually lead to like an argument that undercuts this entire NFT thing. But like, uh, I think we're unlikely like, when someone does this, I think Blanco's block party uses its own blockchain. You know, like I think we're, we're not going to see this running on Ethereum or even something that uses proof of work which is the type of mining that mm-hmm. like directly uses energy. Like, I think we're more likely like if companies implement this to see it on like private blockchains or like, you know, smaller blockchains that use like something that's called proof of stake, which doesn't use like massive amounts of electricity to mine blocks. Um, and then like, you know, we could see this mutate in so many different ways, like to the point where it's like, is this even a blockchain? Like, is yeah, this thing, it's like you're describing that, like, doesn't that loop back to, and your account has been marked as the owner yes. of this little, <laughs> of this little widget. And I'm like, mm-hmm. did we just like go all the way around the world to ride back at like a World of Warcraft collectible? Yeah, I mean, we very well might, but like, you know, this idea of like the blockchain and this token that you own, I mean, it can be such a powerful idea that it can like sustain this like mark i mean you know we're talking about like you know why would people ever do but you know i could say that same thing about like world of warcraft gold or whatever gamers have put value in that they're trading amongst each other already to me like it's already kind of like you know what's backing that like why are people into this but they are and you know i can see like if someone implements this like it's just easy for me to see how people can get very hooked on it because it's investing, it's the stock market, it's you're making money and you're playing a game. And like, it's easy to see, like, I think like how someone can get sucked into that. Uh, and I'm not saying this is like positive, like no. I'm not like excited no, 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 no. about just, this. Just, and, yeah. I mean, it, it actually like, seems to fall, fall in line with a lot of the, you know, uh, culturally what we saw with the GameStop stuff, right? right. Like in which they're, you know, some of this is born out of like the rampant, you know, economic inequality that's, you know, you know, yes. here and, you know, worldwide, you know, in some places better in some places, most many places manifestly worse. But, you know, part of the appeal of the whole GameStop scheme was the notion of, well, I'll just follow this hack and I can I can get rich. I can get out of my my place. And the notion that I could do that through a video game um and the and a lot of the a lot of the discourse i see what the way people talk about nfts and and blockchain and and like following you know the ups and downs as of shiba because dogecoin is no longer the interesting me like there just seems to be a lot of i see a lot of the same language attitude energy running through a lot of this uh, which i think falls in line with what you're saying of this notion of it is going to be deeply attractive to a lot of people um because of because of that pitch like well you know not not necessarily a good thing culturally societally but nonetheless an attractive pitch especially if it's how people are spending their time already right well and people quite cannily make that pitch too like i think you see sometimes around uh cryptocurrency but i think i saw this around uh 
during that like fun day and a half, well, really more like 12 hours, we were all dunking on that Rolling Stone piece about the Board Ape Yacht Club. Uh, you would see people in replies to threads about this sort of making these populist arguments about like, hey, man, like our generation got screwed and these new forms of collectible or asset are our way to sort of uh, mount a mount a fourth quarter comeback uh, to sort of stick it to the man uh, and, and sort of recapture a lost decade of traditional economic growth. And I think to an extent, like there probably are naive people making that argument in, in good faith uh, who really do see these, new forms of asset as uh, great equalizers, as emerging opportunities where people who've been sort of frozen out of traditional equity markets um, can suddenly realize the kind of returns that build build real wealth. But also, I always kind of have the suspicion as well that like it behooves so many people to pretend to buy into that argument that like um, – I, I feel like weren't there suspicions that with the Wall Street bets thing, uh, when you went on that Reddit, you would see these stories about people being like, man, here's my sob story. I was living, you know, I, I was living in just absolute destitution. I, I couldn't buy medicine for Tiny Tim. And then I got on board with, uh, you know, with, with, with game GameStop or whatever. And now I'm a millionaire. Now I've now I've made it all back. And I do kind of wonder to what degree people promoting these sorts of schemes are also uh, like knowingly propagandizing in that way, selling this notion of this is your chance to uh, make money outside the system and get back what get back the security that should have been yours. And so this is the, this is the thing that I'm that I'm often kind of skeptical of as well is that a lot of the people who are evangelists of this stuff, I always have the suspicion that they're just that they're already major asset holders and they just need to pump up a market. Yeah, I mean it's all the same thing. Like you're not wrong. Like <laughs> they're saying that because they believe it and they believe it because they bought all this shit. Right. And like round and round, you know? <laughs> and they will stop believing it after they've sold it in the tanks. Well, yeah. who, is anyone, I've got this hot potato. No, it's not hot. It's just a potato. It's a very exciting potato. <laughs> would you like this potato? Oh, I your hands though. are on fire. <laughs> oh, I gotta go. Like, uh. Yeah. I mean, but, except for Charlie Lee, the founder of Litecoin, he sold all his coins and God bless him. He's going to make Litecoin happen. He's going to make Litecoin happen or else. That's, that's <laughs> the only one. He's the only person. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to like if this takes off, like the the mind boggles at the news cycles and discourse that we're going to see. Like we're going to like we are going to see people who make a lot of money and we're going to see that argument made like people are making money, like financial freedom, blah, blah, blah. Like we're going to see like people discussing, is this a blockchain or is this just collectibles? Like we're going to see like people getting like addicted who spend all day playing it. We're going to see people who crash out like. Um, I, yeah, like I, I can just see it in my mind, like, like, a like a, uh, Kubrick dolly cam kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's dizzying to consider. 
Yeah, and like, and obviously people will sort of leverage those stories of like success to sort of prove that like if you're not on board with this, then you are just you kind of being a stick people? in the mud. Do you hate people in yeah. the global south because they're making money, man? Like, yeah, um, that's that sure. is that has been you know there is a strong undercurrent of that every time I talk to somebody about the Axie Infinity stuff is like what you just don't want those you don't want those people to make and you don't want them to you know improve their their lot in life. I was like, no, I just feel like maybe they're being exploited in a different way. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, this just feels like a bunch of rich white people are getting a bunch of people in the global South to mine them fucking, you know, uh, shit in Axie infinity. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that that has made, there's been a, there's, a, I mean, there are examples of people in, in like the Philippines. It, there's been stories written up. The government is now having to like step in and try and like regulate it to to a certain degree where they've actually gotten legitimately rich and like bought like a mansion. Like, but like it's the same kind of cryptocurrency story we get around here. Like, yeah, a handful of people have get rich and the, and then everyone else underneath them is just making just enough to put food on their table. Yeah, for um, everyone it's a that little bought, bit better like, than if everyone bought a mansion in Axie, there's like thousands of people who are like grinding Axie characters. All for day. the person in the match, other people, dude. I yeah, got exactly. Okay, I'm gonna pull. I need yeah. to show yeah. you a resume it's, that I, I've, I've been collect that people use uh, to advertise uh, themselves. Look, look at this. Um, here it is. These are all over. Um, th- this is this is called. Uh, so there are managers and scholars. Scholar is someone who's looking to seek a manager. Managers can provide you with these, you know, with these axes, these Pokemon NFTs. Um, and there are. If you just search for Axie uh, Scholar resume, you can probably find some on your own by just Googling it. But like, uh, like there's lots of this and it's a lot of people begging for, for work. And, it, I, you know, I don't know. It just all it feels bad, man. Wow, <laughs> like like this, just none of this, this feels yeah. good. But Cover imagine this as Axie. being a guild, a guild in an MMO. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know, for like, sure. It can, like it's dark, but, you know we can kind of see it taking shape, which is it's kind of scary. G- games are uniquely suited to, to, ex- to take advantage and exploit this because of th- their interactive model and exactly what you're saying of like how, how there are groups and hierarchies. Um, so you're, you're right. Like it is, it has the potential to be a really disgusting, perfect. Story. And as a form is probably uniquely uh, has uniquely adopted like the forms and functions of market capitalism. Right. Where yes. it's like most games, even before like NFT NFTs or cryptocurrencies were a glint in anyone's eye, uh, games were already sort of being like, and how are we going to pay for these limited resources via money? And how are you going to get that money? You're going to grind. Uh, and well, so- I mean, what do we you called arcade games? Quarter munchers, right? Like games were born designed out of a way of, exp- you know, finding ways to exploit the quarters and cash in your pocket while making you feel good along the way. And I like a lot of those games, but like, let's not pretend like the origin, the origins of video games, as fun as they may be, were, you know, to try and, you know, squish that out of you. Um, and so I think, I think that's where a lot of my, uh, the, the, the kind of squishiness I feel about it comes from. It's just like, yeah, it, you're right. I mean, Jordan games are fully set up to really take advantage of this in, in the worst way possible. Yeah. Like Go Amazon ahead, well, will release gonna, an MMO. I was, I was just going to say like, even thinking of like Eve and the way that, that it's not, it's got monetary ISK has a monetary value because you could either pay the mm. subscription or not, but you can't technically cash out, but still people like, you know, like count 
uh value in that game in like dollar amounts like there, you always hear about the like right. three three hundred thousand dollar ship that got shot down in such and such raid and things like that mm-hmm. imagine if you could cash out because it was yeah. a fucking I did, NFT I got an or something. Eve online, uh, I got an Eve online NFT thing at some point. Oh, I'm going to look up. Ex- I don't know what it is. I got, but I, I know I saw that headline in my inbox uh, at some point. Right. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me given that structure already kind of being there where people are I mean, like, if, doing the work. <laughs> if we do not have extensive identity theft uh, being driven by the goon swarm, are we even, are we, are we even living? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Hi, Patrick. Sharing news announced today. This CC. This is from, uh, yeah, very Friday, November fifth. Uh, sharing news today. Uh, the CCB Games Maker, one of the largest sci-fi games you found online, will introduce NFT collectible kills during the Alliance tournament, the year's biggest Eve tournament. Uh, the NFTs minted on the energy efficient blockchain Tezos. I don't know what energy efficient means. I feel like that's been a lot of work uh, <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, offer an opportunity to trade with other players, especially as the first kill is a big milestone at these tournaments. Um, so, I mean, even that to some degree is is a, is a game developer. I yeah, I think that's a lot of what we're going to see in the short term is stuff like this, where it's like collaborations, partnerships, one-offs, um, um, while like the actual notion of like what does it mean to be intertwined in the design of a thing is is worked out. I can just imagine like a future where Amazon releases another MMO and you end up working for a guy who has the username like Mef Jesus and he's like <laughs> an actual billionaire <laughs> and you like work for him all day <laughs> in the game. I mean, the, thing stark, that, the, thing that, the thing that's on our side in that in uh in that regard is that Amazon is terrible at releasing video games and shooting yeah, you go. them instead. So the like... only thing stopping this from happening is Amazon's own incompetence. Well, Amazon's terrific at enabling fraud on their platform. They're just very rarely <laughs> very true, the ones taking advantage of it. <laughs> Uh, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, I'm torn between on the one hand, like this is a grim future coming over the horizon, but also it's such a familiar kind of games grift that like, I do yeah. wonder mm-hmm. how yeah. transformative it will prove to be yeah. because there've been so many different versions of this attempted that like, I know NFTs do represent something different, but at the end of the day, we're also talking about like games collectibles that are still dependent on is this is this thing still the new hotness uh and that tends to be where things fall apart right like things wax and wane fast in games and so i do kind of wonder after an initial wave of investments in trying to capitalize on this like how hot does this market remain right like how you know in in five years time are we still getting these emails about like exciting news far cry 7 uh, is going to feature uh, IEDs like collectible IEDs well, you can they, use. Like, is th- if they stay on proof of uh, proof of work, it'll be about as hot as the planet is getting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Ooh. I mean, right, like, well, I wonder to the extent that, like, you know, NFTs are a convenient shortcut to this. Like, because mm-hmm. you know, a game company in theory could figure out like how to set up their own market that people could cash out from and they could plug their bank accounts into. And like, you know, you could do all of this without the blockchain, but you know, you know, if the blockchain didn't exist and there wasn't all this like positive rhetoric around it and like a really hot market around it and like VCs, but like, if you just try to do that sort of out in the wilderness, like people would probably shout you down and be like, what are you doing? That's so well, you might be the Diablo the auction house again. 
right? Where it's like the market clearly doesn't work and you're inept at running it. And the entire thing just collapses under. And the audience revolted. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Um, with NFTs, here you have this thing that's sort of already happening. Like you have this like technical layer that's already working. You can already make a peer-to-peer marketplace. You can plug it in. So not only can you do that, um, but like, you know, it's also kind of like, hey, we're doing NFTs, everybody. Like, which is like awesome. It's not this like crass sort of like dark thing you're doing. It's your it's like new it technology really that everyone depends. loves. It's really it really depends on the because like if you look at the fucking tweet that they that the Dead by Daylight uh, NFTs got like the replies in there are, I mean maybe it's just what the algorithm was giving me at the top, but there was a lot of like shitting on that NFT. Well, okay, okay, gamers are very anti change, right? And yeah. so that's that makes me, and also the techno- the the primary technology companies are. Like, it's hard for me to imagine, like, Apple is going to, like, allow, like, you know, the, the entryway for a lot of these NFT games are going to be, f- like, adopting the free-to-play model and then um, adding blockchain NFT stuff, pay-to-earn on top of it. Well, but if you can't get into the App Store um, and people got to go to a web browser, like, you're sort of, sure, you can get, you can find populations mm-hmm. in places like the Global South where there's such a, a strong economic attraction to participate but it just makes me wonder, like we've seen time and time again, the introduction of micro microtransactions, free to play, like video game fans are really smart. They're like toxic and terrible, mm-hmm. but they're also, it's pretty hard to pull one over on them. And so that's, that's why I remain so skeptical about how mainstream this becomes and what we call like mainstream gaming culture, like what the kind of stuff, the kind of audience we're talking to on a podcast like this versus like the broader free to play mainstream market that a Genshin Impact or something like that can um, can attract, but Genshin Impact is that's you know I guess that's popular despite is that no that is on the App Store yes because I've yeah. taken meetings with Apple where they promote Genshin Impact and I like play it on uh, my, uh, that's where I play it on my iPhone yeah. <laughs> and, Apple, and Apple makes an incredible amount of money off of uh, the back of uh, free to play uh, games exploiting um, young children um, in a really gross way, but uh, I don't know I, I mean I, the other curious. Yeah, I mean, the other part of this is, like, I kind of see gambling just, you know, on the rise in society writ large. Um, So I think there's kind of a shift around that, too, that this sort of fits in that maybe makes it, you know, more palatable to the wider public or more acceptable. Like, you know, there's physical sports betting at LMB stadiums now. It's, like, legal in many states. Like, you know... um, the stock market itself, crypto itself, like all of these things are basically gambling and seeking, seeking like, you know, a way out of like a terrible financial situation that like many, many, many people are in. So like to the extent that like that is more normalized, I can see more of a friendly societal sort of um, like, you know, soft landing for it. Even though I think gamers are always going to be, you know, opposed to what they see as like really crass kind of like exploitation of the gamers. Um, but the other part of it is you mentioned the app store and that's really important too, because like, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, like steam said, no way, like no NFT games, which like, uh, I wonder if it has to do with a lot of them just probably being scams and they don't want people. Well, to I, I think also there's, you know, you're, you're just seeing Congress cat like, I think there's so much, so much regulation that is like coming in the next, in the coming right. years. It's like, do you really want to get, 
you know, do you need the IRS coming knocking uh, because you decided to like run a bunch of financial transactions through the Steam marketplace when you could wait a couple of years and then all of a sudden, you know, Steam finds a way to make sure they get theirs off of it um, while also making sure they don't get, you know, pulled into the into the crosshairs in the process. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Like, nothing is guaranteed. And, like, you know, if it comes with, like, if, if to play a game you have to, like, file some intense taxes at the end of the year, like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, most people are probably not going to want to do that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, we'll see. Like, uh, it, it's uh, we're in an interesting moment where a lot of, um, you know, truly terrifying things are sort of being articulated uh, without a clear endpoint. But there, there's a lot in the air, I would say. All right. Well, we will leave it there uh, as we contemplate our our grim NFT uh, powered <laughs> powered future. Uh, Ooh, what and, a Monday! And and our, and our future of uh, working for Kato uh, on his <laughs> yeah. on on his estate. Absolutely, uh, I'm coins. I've been waiting to mint a Kato my whole life. Never in my fucking life. <laughs> Look, it, it'll be like it, it'll be like Kato. You know, all those people are like, Kato, Kato, take us, take us rating. And that will be like that. But like, Kato, Kato, loan us, loan us your character. <laughs> teach us, teach us how to use it. And oh. you'll be like, very well for 25% of your earn. <laughs> you can become, you can become my scholar. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Get us out of the segment. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, after the break, we're going to uh, contemplate a different uh, grim future as we discuss Apple TV's uh, foundation adaptation, which Kato and I have been watching a bit of and which we uh, begged Patrick to watch. uh, And we are excited to get into that. Uh, Jordan, thanks for coming through and thanks for writing the uh, piece on uh, EA and Ubisoft's imagined NFT future for, uh, for the site. Thanks for having me, guys. I also feel like I should maybe apologize or something, but uh, thank you for having me on and uh, happy to direct your combo. You're just the messenger. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. Uh, so Kato and I have been... I've been watching Apple TV's Foundation series, which is an adaptation of the uh, Isaac Asimov uh, stories. And, well, like, I am curious to hear what Patrick has to say. Because (laughs) before the minute in the pre-show, as you were discussing, like the run of show, what we're going to get to, Mm -hmm. um, I'd maybe a little lack of enthusiasm. And... (laughs) I guess my suspicion can my my suspicion is in fact the only explanation I can think of uh, is that maybe this is just too high concept 
uh, for Patrick. <laughs> that wow. uh, a, a series about generational planning and thinking about the realization from the heart of this vast and seemingly permanent space empire uh, that the entire edifice is doomed. And in order to prevent 30,000 years of disaster uh, and cut that down to a thousand, a small group of uh, thinkers and historians and artisans and craftspeople from uh, countless different cultures have to create a microcosm like arc uh, preserving knowledge and history uh, from the past on a single planet uh, lost within this in this empire. Um, I can only imagine how ob- obtuse this must have seemed to Patrick. Well, I don't read these books like that's yeah. like just I have like no history with um, this series, which from what I understand is like a, a series of like largely disconnected short stories that later Asimov went back and tied like more of a narrative to um but like that's a, a part of the reason they've been seen as unadaptable is because they are largely disconnected stories without like a huge narrative thread in the way that traditionally you would like need or require or just financially how you would even adapt something like that because usually you want to share sets and characters and actors and things like that so anyway like that's where i was starting was just you know no nostalgia or familiarity with um uh the like the, the baseline uh story but I don't know. I just thought it was kind of, I just thought it was kind of like, look, they had me at the beginning when a man is working on the, uh, the, 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 the what's the thing? The big, um, the emperor's the, mural, the emperor's yeah. mural. And oh then they God. fucking splat him um, <laughs> with whatever that thing is and turn him into a pile of goo. Like, like Lee Pace, you're right. Like he, Lee Pace he is, is hmm. he is, uh, he's very good in the show, but, uh, and I like a lot of the, i like the main actor. What's his name? The, um, Jared uh, Harris. Jared Harris. Jared, I watched Jared Harris like read the phone book. Yep. Like, he is inc- incredible. Um, like I love him uh, dearly. Um, but I don't like. I, I guess what the, my trouble I had and to be curious. I, I watched one and a half episodes. Um, is that the, the 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 series treats what's happening with such grand stakes, and I get that conceptually, philosophically, but spends exactly zero time explaining. Like kind of what's going on, <laughs> what his character is doing. He's like, I've predicted that this is all going to go bad. Like how, why, and like what way, like wh- what was, what is the explanation here? Like, I don't th- I just don't think it spent enough time d- doing a lot of like the groundwork over like it's like baseline premise. And is like far more interested in look at this $10 million visual effect shot, which that stuff is great. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous looking uh, show um, and a lot of that is what got me through that opening episode um, and by the end of the, the pilot I was like are we just in a less charismatic Battlestar Galactica now um, we're uh, <laughs> we're, on a, we're on a ship with a bunch of characters I don't really know on a mission whose importance hasn't really been established uh, for me um, so that that's where I ended up I, I, I guess it was a pretty p- a poor response to to the first like episode and a half so I'm curious where y'all differ on that and and maybe if that changes i know there's like six or seven episodes out now so there's yeah more going on the most recent thing i saw was people were like damn didn't know you could fit lee pace's abs more times into this episode but they just shot his abs for yeah. an entire episode <laughs> yeah uh, they fucking did <laughs> so yes. I'm, I'm curious where where the two of you <laughs> depart on on all that kata i mean i don't know i think i enjoyed i don't know i guess i was just like 
ready to take it all in and be like, yeah, I sure, math, math, you can figure out lots of shit with math. I'm sure someone, given enough time, would eventually Psycho figure out a way. tracks. Yeah, that's, whatever. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I felt like, yeah, okay, I get it. He's figured out a way to uh, model complex systems, but can't uh, necessarily predict individuals within it. Uh, it's an interesting kind of, uh, you know, looking at the macro versus the micro problem that math has a lot and uh, systems modeling has already. Like, uh, can't tell if it's going to rain over your house, but you can kind of tell that it might rain within a certain square mileage, you know, um, that sort of thing. And so I also, also like uh, it, like they timed this show like very well, like in the lead up to Dune. It's like, oh right, I'm like in the headspace of like thinking about galactic. Kind of, I went straight from <laughs> yeah. Dune to this. <laughs> yep. Like oh, I yeah, watched exactly. Dune and yeah. I was like, you yep. know, <laughs> I likes me the big vapid sci-fi adaptation. But that was, yeah. that, I think that was the problem. Is like I really liked Dune. Like, and that I went into that not thinking that it was that it was going to be. A, a, my response to, to to Foundation, I was worried was gonna be our response to Dune, and yet I found the new Dune film to be like, other than having like a complete lack of an ending, to be like very interesting and enjoyable, and like f- was really taken by the whole thing. Um, and even that, I guess that even that movie doesn't have like particularly interesting characters necessarily. <laughs> no, as, so as I mean, to, but here's the thing. But, like, here here's actually, I actually agree with Patrick maybe a little more than I've let on. <laughs> um, so. The thing is, uh, and this has been, I think, the primary criticism levied against uh, against Foundation is that, in fact, this is a sci-fi story about a multi-general effort to save a uh, save a culture, a society, uh, their technology, uh, all these things uh, via this like you know incredible thousand-year effort. Uh, of preservation and and memory, but ultimately they're making a serialized television show about this. Where like here are your characters, and that's going to run into at points the way that like telling the story of Foundation would involve like time skips and like complete changes of cast and setting uh, that this show in its early stages like is kind of unwilling to commit to. Um. And I think that does sometimes contribute to a bit of a labored feeling as we spend a lot of time basically laying out the premise for this, right? Like the what what sets off foundation as as an effort is this notion that yeah, the Jared Harris character uh, via the magic of math, which by the way, I love this show's like attempt to how do you dramatize math? You just create like sick holograms of yeah. like dust motes, and people just stare at it, and they're like, "Damn, oh, that's mad!" And then, and then, and then there's just a ta- <laughs> there's just like this advanced tablet that he's like swir- making swirly circles on. It's like I'm doing math. I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it, it's perfect. Uh, their their attempts to like try to create the work of like. Uh, large, like manipulating large da- data sets via functions uh, with just like CG um, and people looking like suitably odd as as they do it. So well, it's, I, it's I, almost I, like I wish the show was more cold and disconnected because it might better serve like basically what like Villeneuve does in a lot of his work like that I 
either works for you or doesn't work for you, but like is clearly part of his like artistic style and is like very present in Dune and Arrival in Sicario. Like there's is is kind of a kind of emotionally detached. He is a I think like a more talented Christopher Nolan, which is like Nolan also (laughs) operates in the same cinematic mode of uh, whereas I think uh, Villeneuve at least like understands that about his work. Whereas Nolan like wants to pretend he has a heart and understands how humans work. And then when he tries in a movie like interstellar it's just like, this doesn't no, <laughs> like stop, like just do the big, cool sci-fi stuff. You're, you're, you're good at that part. Um, and I almost wish there was more of that present here because mostly when it's like they're spending time and again, like in the only first episode and a half that, that, that I was spent time with was like, like, if it's going to be high concept and it's going to like, you know, I guess it was, it was a little more disconnected than trying to get on the ground level with these characters where I'm just having difficulty getting attached to them in any sort of way when it's like there are the isolated details that I latch on to um, about like thinking in, in terms of like thousands of years is really interesting. But like the, the, I have to think about that while also caring moment to moment with what these, you know, care like the next plot beat is going to be for for these for these characters and oh these two characters that well we've done no no work to explain that they would be fucking each other but don't worry they're deeply in love now we're just gonna we're gonna do a time skip to them caring about each other instead of doing any real groundwork for that um and i guess that's where like some of the some of the disconnect i've had so i'm far glad with, you didn't get to the, that at the end of that episode because if you hadn't ejected before then i okay. think the end of that episode you would have been like you know what fuck you because um, okay. right. they do a lot of like this is a deeply felt connection these characters are absolutely soulmates and it would be devastating if they were separated and then the denouement of that episode is just like utter nightmare uh, madness where where it's like this doesn't this just seems like manipulative and evil uh, hmm. but okay yeah it's who's doing the manipulation there <laughs> Look, I mean, you can you can, you can spoil. I, I, I'll watch the end of this. I'll, I'll probably keep watching. I mostly was like I had to figure out. I was like, this is pretty enough that I've got. No, if I got nothing else yeah. to watch, I'll just put it on while I'm like scrolling on my. And iPad. it's very pretty. It's yeah. oh, it's so go- like I was furious that I could not. I have a, a Chromecast attached to my projector, and so I was all set. Kids were asleep. Um, like I poured myself a whiskey. I w- was playing a video game I can talk about later this week and intended to keep playing it. And then the servers turned off on me and I was no longer allowed to play it anymore. Um, and so I, I was like, all right, time to sit down and watch, watch foundation. And there's no way, like you can't Chromecast from a phone or an iPad with the Apple TV stuff. And then if you try, then I looked online, I was like, Oh, is there a trick where I could like, they're like, Oh, you could cast it from a web browser on your computer. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I've done that trick before to get stuff on my, t- on my uh, projector, except that, the Apple TV plus web browser interface like streams at like 480p. Like what? it was a nightmare. And so I had to go, I have a nice a TV up, upstairs, but it's a lesser sound system. The TV's farther away and it's smaller. And I was just like, I, I'm going to have to like just drag an Apple TV, like a spare one in my, uh, uh, like in a closet downstairs. If I watch it again, cause it's like, Wait, I'm going to watch this do you have a and the characters are sort of, Attached yeah, but that's all that? my office. That's all oh, my office. You, oh, well, right. Um, okay, so it's in the different. But I, can, I do have a spare Xbox. I mean, I, I, I can figure. I'm going to figure out a solution because yeah. like if I'm going to enjoy the show, like like it seems like part of the reason is just to watch Have Apple that sign a blank budget. check. Yes. Yeah. Which is a very yeah. good effects budget. I will well, say. Yeah, and that's yeah. Go on. I I, I feel like uh I'm, I mean, how far are you, Rob? 
what like episode are you on? Uh, so I also like I am I am two episodes in. Like okay, we are so I am like I we are we are more sold on it. Uh, but each of the th- these things is an hour. Uh, and, yeah. and so we've been we've been moving slowly. Um, I'm I'm I am caught up to where like they're dropping once a week. So I watched last Fridays and yeah. Um, I think that one thing that. Have they done a big, bold time skip where it's like, okay, now we're a generation or two ahead, or are they mostly staying within the reasonable lifespan of these characters? Um, Well, you know, there's such a thing as cryosleep in this world. So Yeah, of course, you can cause characters (laughs) to skip time themselves. A hundred percent. We've done, yeah, yes, there's been at least one, and that's actually one of the better, more interesting things about the, the, like, as you go further in, um, is... Specifically, Lee Pace's performances are kind of amazing because, um, I mean, spoilers here again for this series, but essentially the, the, the Lee Pace plays the middle brother of a triplet of clones that are the empire, right? That's an, that is an incredible, like when I, so when I realized (laughs) that was the setup for his character, yeah. Like, Hmm. (laughs) All right. I hope this show is good. Cause I, I really like that as a pitch for, uh, I don't know if I, I liked the fact that they kept calling them, they they just call them empire, right? Yes. They are called empire, right? Like I did not, that does not roll (laughs) off the tongue necessarily. That didn't land for me, but he is, boy, he almost feels like he's in a different show because he is chew. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like he's still, he's still playing a bit of, he played one of the better MCU villains as, uh, uh, was, uh, something, the accuser, yeah. Ronan, the accuser. Yeah, like yeah. he, he just, otherwise being just a good actor is also the, the kind of one that can like rise to the occasion for like larger than life and like kind of, uh, campy sort of characters. Yeah. And, um, he play, he plays this one ex- walking a t- a really fine line in my exposure of like and okay you're being campy and fun but also then occasionally he slips into just being good good actor good absolutely and what's interesting about the the, the character is that basically there's only ever three of them right so one of them gets old mm. the one that is younger grows up and then one of them the, the oldest dies oh so he essentially is changing characters he is and, and he does such an amazing oh, job so at he's this he's gonna play the baby he's so little boy is gonna become lee pace yes oh, that's, yes that's good and he i think pulls that off really well <laughs> in the, the middle episodes of this season Sold. that like killed me i'm just like oh my god i can see this is a different this is a different empire here like oh right he was the baby during that that scene like he remembers these things this way and like um they it's actually really they like get a lot into like the triplets uh and how they're supposed to be perfect clones of the like original cleon or whatever his name was and that whole their whole thing is actually really really interesting but yeah they do do a time skip where it's like okay we're in the next generation it's like been i forget how many years um we see people who we assume are the children of other people and you know then things kind of slow down after that first skip again to be like okay we're gonna stick here for a few more episodes um, and they're setting up another kind of wild time skip possibly coming up in this last one. Yeah. But at, at a certain point, yeah, it's like, it's really interesting the way it kind of, as it goes further in, 
starts to pull at the idea of like these small things having reverberations thousands of years down the line and like the way that they talk about the past and like what has come before with regards to empire specifically that character is really really interesting and just the place like fucking knocks it out of the park playing the same but different character uh in 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 uh these different episodes and i really really love it patrick to your point like about the the vilnev uh like approach to things is that how you're saying you could have corrected me earlier now i just look like a total no, I mean, I, I get pronunciations wrong all the time. Like, but okay. I, th- I think it is Vilnev. Vilnev, Vilnev. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I only think that because, like, in F one, like uh, Jacques Vilnev was like a major F one driver. And I, I always heard it said that way. Mm. Okay. Um, all right, that's fair. Just banking so, that one. But the point is, um, I feel like overall Foundation doesn't always have that sort of iciness, but I think Lee Pace does. That's the weird thing <laughs> of like. Sure. Like he could be he in, is in Dune. If he's in Dune Part Two, like I believe it, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean he has, and it's so weird because like he's the guy who got on my radar with uh, pushing daisies. So it is mm-hmm. so weird to go back to that <laughs> where he plays this like charming, shy, like just pure sweetness, uh, like Baker, uh, who sort of lives life under a terrible blessing and a curse. Uh, it's so weird to go back to that and then see like the kind of characters he's played in uh like halt and catch fire or this where like he really leans into that like charisma that he has and that sort of easy charm but then the ability to have this like really cold sort of brutality or Mm -hmm. capriciousness to him that makes him like mesmerizing and scary to watch um and that that comes through uh, so well in this performance, and I think that is one of the things that's absolutely kept me that, that sort of bought like got me bought in on the series is that watching him hedge his bets about how he's going to handle this. Like I think it, like something they do very effectively in those first episodes is this prediction that the Empire is doomed has already taken on an almost religious air. In that opening episode where, like, this guy is such a renowned genius, uh, like, uh, you know, Stephen Hawking cubed, basically, in terms of, like, the <laughs> yeah. public regard they have for him. Um, the, his mere prediction that the Empire is going to fall apart is itself destabilizing. And you see how the initial impulse from Lee Pace and the, the other emperors is to clamp down on this and silence it and like pretend it's not even a possibility. And then you can sort of see in the, the really like self-serving calculation from Lee Pace's characters. He realizes, well, this might be happening. And if it is happening, we might as well take this precautionary effort. We'll still punish this guy. Or we'll make it seem like it's a punishment, but we are going to simultaneously pretend we are not heading toward the brink and then we're also going to run this hedge strategy in the background. <laughs> I thought that was such a interesting thing. Uh, there, the yeah. Start. I guess I just the, I, the thing that was missing, even though the pilot's like an hour and I mean it's a movie, basically. You know, it's like an yeah. hour and twenty minutes long. Um, I the, the show really wants you just to just to buy uh, that Jared Harris's character. He's just he. Of course, people treat him like a prophet, but we spend no time setting that up yeah. or like explaining why that's the case. Um, you are just supposed to buy based on Jared Harris, who is, you know, he's charismatic all on his own. And uh, that of course this is true, but like 
in the same way that one of the most spectacular sequences in the pilot is when there is a terrorist attack at uh I forget what they call this. The, the, it's this the giant space elevator. The this tower, giant space yeah. elevator that <laughs> in some ways that as an aside, the, it's like a indictment of the, the the potential coolness of a space elevator, which is like it takes 14 hours to go from uh, the top to the bottom. It's like, that's a long time to be in a space <laughs> elevator. That doesn't sound as neat as in my head. Space elevator is get in, whoop, get out. Um, <laughs> but there's a, there's a sequence where this attack occurs. Um where, oh, he can't predict what individuals are going to do. But just coincidentally, while he's on trial, an attack is going to occur. Um, uh, anyway, like the the, the the consequence of this is uh, it's almost like an aside where they say, well, what was the casualty count? And it's like 100 million people died. But, man, you get like no sense of the gravity of that. Like 100 million people mm-hmm. is a lot of people because the way this city, this planet is constructed is like there are just – it's actually a little bit – like Final Fantasy VII, um, in which there are plates, like mm-hmm. there are levels uh, to it. And so like the destruction of like one, like is, has catastrophic effects um, uh, beneath it. Um, and, I, and I know from the, the, what the show is going for is like, oh, of course the Empire doesn't really care. They're, that's just, that's the, you know, that's just the cost of doing business. 100 million people. What does that mean to us? Um, but I, that's also part of like, the show wants to be emotionally have you emotionally invest. That's why it has characters portrayed the way they are. And yet it's not spending the time to get me like emotionally grounded with the world at the same time. Um, uh, and so I don't know, like that's, that's where I had, I was like, I wish I had some sense of like the destruction, the, like the tragedy that occurred that went beyond just like one shot of Jared Harris walking through like and there's like dirt on his face because um, there's like fires happening to the side. Well, and this um, is the weird we- thing where like the Dune comparison becomes really interesting. Where I think I think I think Foundation does struggle to like make the toll of this stuff hit, but I think that is because it has to really quickly just give you the barest sketch of these characters before yeah. like rushing to the next event. Whereas when I thought about Dune, the funny thing is, is it a big epic? Well, the shots are very wide, <laughs> but if you think about like what most of those shots mm-hmm. contain, like they're empty sets. Like this is a play with a very small cast yeah. for the mm-hmm. most part. And what makes it work is that you get the sense of like the history of House Atreides and all the hopes and peril that's on their shoulders just because like Oscar Isaac uh, can hold that scene together, right? He can brood in the Imperial court and like bring that across. You can see like the, the fact that it's focused on this little nuclear family of, uh, you know, the, the Atreides of the, of the Atreides clan. You can get the sense of like how these, these global events or these universal events are being felt heavily on the scale of human emotions and like needs and hopes in a way that I don't think comes through in foundation. Uh, and so I think that that's me has been the, the interesting part of this is that I think foundation is a much more bombastic production in terms of yeah. like 
look at the shit we have created. Look at these locations. Look at the vision of this That water world was cool as hell in the intro. I was like, that's just a really cool shot. Throw away detail. I want to spend more time here. Bye, water world. Off to the space (laughs) elevator. We are going to blow that space elevator up in about 20 minutes. So enjoy it while you got it. Yeah, and, and meanwhile, like... Dune, for the most part, is people standing in cavernous, like, empty rooms. Yeah. Uh, like, basically contemplating their fears. Which is interesting, because like both these things are about characters confronting existential dread about things that are both larger than themselves and seemingly inevitable. I think Dune does a very good job of, like, giving that a convincing emotional texture where you kind of like feel it alongside the characters where foundation is this very literal, like, and so then the big space elevator blew up and you can, <laughs> and as you can see, it really fucked this planet up. Well, and it also like, you know, Dune uh, is very choosy about, it doesn't say a lot and it implies a lot about its world, mm-hmm. right? Like it wasn't until like later I read like, you know, part of it, like, why don't you see computers and robots in this? Oh world? yeah. Like, oh, you don't know about the Bularian Jihad? Yeah. The excuse me, <laughs> the that's where, they ban, that's where they banned AIs, right? Is that what you're trying to yes. say? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and none of that said in the, in the movie, and so I researched that afterwards, and like that's an interesting detail. But you can also imply, you know, you know, you can you can start theorizing in your brain about what's happening in this world based on what it's not saying and what it's presenting. Whereas, I mean, the, the pilot of Foundation, you know, makes the very basic. Uh, uh, mistake uh, for like a high concept sci-fi show is like, well, we need a character who's going to go alongside our main character and is going to explain things to them so that the audience also understands. And so like when you have this, you know, this girl, this, you know, plucky math genius, like she just happens to like be on the space shuttle next to a person who is just going to happen to kind of explain things to her on her way into, <laughs> into the city. And I just feel like it probably would have benefited from just like, let the audience think like just, draw some of their own con- conclusions on like what the, the visuals and the shots imply about what's happening in this space world. But I don't know, like as another aside, like this, this show was like conceived by David S. Goyer, who I consider to be a complete fucking hack. Um, like he has been associated with like so many shitty projects in, in Hollywood that the moment this, he got attached to doing this, it was like, Oh, this is doomed to a certain version of mediocrity. Like David S. Goyer is a bad screenwriter that managed to have his profile elevated because he helped Christopher Nolan understand like the backstory of the Batman. Uh, like he he helped write the scripts for Nolan for for those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is just a very poor screenwriter with a very poor track record in which like you see a lot of echoes of Goyer's work like littered th- like throughout this. Um, uh, and so I'm curious to see where it goes from here. Like there's lots of evidence of sh- like high concept sci fi shows like starting poorly and then like finding themselves as they, they go along. And this has already been renewed for a second season. Apple spent so much money that they said, well, we can't, you know, there's a very kind of Amazon feel to it. It's like, well, you got to do another one, right? We spent so much money on the first (laughs) one. So now I'm almost just kind of invested to see like where the money is going and in service of what, and maybe that second season will do more than what Kato is implying of like, what if we actually just shelve all these characters and like jump ahead? Like there's almost, there's almost uh, an allowance for the show to learn from itself and have give itself its own clean slates if it wants to, based on like how they decide to do the storytelling going forward. Yeah. I, I think I'm very interested in seeing how it pans out. I mean, I, I, I do think like 
in the annals of sci-fi TV, there's probably even more examples of shows that have like never really found their footing and certainly yeah. didn't stick yeah. the landing. Mm-hmm. So I like I am curious how they continue to adapt this as we get further into uh, this course of events that's been that's been sort of sketched out for us. Did either um, of you read the books? I thought maybe mm-hmm. that would get established up front, but neither of you have any familiarity with the, the books uh, themselves? My partner's read the books, and I've gotten okay. – I got a pre but also, like, you know, she she wasn't bothered by the fact that, like, it's taking extensive liberties. Uh, she's like, this <laughs> fucking rules. Well, and- but I think that's – I think that's – I mean, that's part of the unadaptability is, like, you kind of have to invent narratives to give, like, an emotional thread. So you almost, like – that doesn't shock me that she wouldn't have a huge problem with it because it's like, what are you, what are you even anchored to in those original books beyond like, these are just really cool ideas for how to think about like time and generations and societies, as opposed to, I love, I hope they don't fuck up X character um, that they're like bringing into the world. Like that's seems less essential to the text. Um, at least from my understanding. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm excited that you're going to stick with it and continue to ingest those potentially empty calories. Um, I think I think it's pretty enough. I just got to figure out a way to watch it on the mm-hmm. projector. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there are plenty of times where I'm sitting and playing a Switch game and uh, it, it doesn't seem like the kind of show that I need to necessarily like have eyes on the entire time. And I can just like, oh, here's the pretty visual and then just sort of take in. I guess look every time Lee Pace is on screen. Like that's my yeah. cue. Oh, time to tune back into <laughs> Foundation. Here's a here's a stunning shot of you know uh, a ship coming out of warp, um, which is very cool. That's one of the best, like one of the cooler shots in 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 that pilot is the sh- the, the ship just like coming out of its like you know jump speed that it that it has. Also, mm. fucking one of the the coolest uh, visualizations they have in in this show is like how they arrest people, like the, the spooky mask oh, yeah. thing that they put on people <laughs> uh, is, I did not like it. It, no. it was horrifying. Every the, the way they like put something on your eyes and then this like, I don't know, webbing thing like comes around your mouth. Did not, did not care for it. Very, did made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. That stuff isn't also the whole, like, hmm. well, I guess they're not quite like the Sardaukar, but like their little their little imperial troops, their little guards, also mm-hmm. very creepy. Yes, uh, <laughs> like like just like the fact that they are almost like um, what's the way to put it? Like it's like they're wearing Iron Maidens in in some ways. <laughs> is like how their troops. Oh my look. god! Yeah, guys just encased within their own torture device. Um, it's just, it's, it's really unsettling. They don't seem and human. Yeah. I, I feel like, I, I feel like there's something going on. Maybe they're just indoctrinated soldiers, but you get, you, yeah, the way they're portrayed. Also a world where you don't see a lot of robots and, and things like that. Um, but, um, there's something vaguely inhuman. Did you get to the them. scene in the second episode where that is explained? No. What is, how is it? So, what is the explanation this time? Okay. So did they, the, did they all, it's just, is there several sci-fi shows coming out at the same time that are like, this AI thing is a bad idea. <laughs> well, so in this one, it's more, um, so the second episode to give you like to, to, when you watch the second half of it, I think what's kind of cool is obviously the thing that they're debating in their nine 11 metaphor is mm. what should we do in the face of this terror attack? Should we sort of like, let things cool off and like analyze root causes or should we just freak the fuck out? (laughs) Oh, I I Um, wonder which one the empire is going to do. Yeah. Mm. Which one would America do? (laughs) Lee Pace is in full 
freak the fuck out uh, <laughs> mode, but like thinks he's being like very Machiavellian right. and like, yeah. uh, you know, revenge is a, be- a, dir- a dish best served immediately and straight from the oven. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, the. The the cool thing about it is you may have noticed that uh, Little Empire, the kid, has mm-hmm. this, like, uh, both caretaker, but also she seems like the chancellor of the Imperial Court. She's, like, the last robot. She's, like, the last android, basically. Mm-hmm. And what we learn in that second episode is that she is sort of this Imperial household servant who seems like her role is to be the personal assistant and mentor to each of these generations of Cleons as they uh, are decanted. But (laughs) she is also the last survivor of it. That was a great fucking word. Yeah. Yeah. But she's also the last survivor of a genocide executed by like in the foundations of this regime. Oh, so they came uh, to the same conclusion. Yeah. It's, it's just actually this is bad. <laughs> yeah. That is fascinating. That's cool. That's And a so really there is a great, uh, like a detail that got me a little more on board is like, so the whole second episode is like, what do we do in response to this terror attack? And you do have the older of the emperors sort of beginning to think like our pattern of reprisal and control is not going to lead us anywhere good and we should consider breaking it. And so there's this whole debate happening, but at the very end, yeah, they give in to this like orgiastic uh, bloodletting as well as planetary annihilation. And the thing is, the little kid asks his mentor, like, is being an emperor always like this? Uh, do Is this how it always goes? And her response is, Yes, this is what you always choose. You always think you always think you might do something different and you always fall back on this. Uh, And so that's the Mm -hmm. other part of this, this sort of this, again, generational inevitability. We're like, no matter what the experience is shaping these emperors, they end up defaulting to this like imperial mean. Um, And so they really kind of they shake that 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 whole thing up too. Actually, oh, that, that's the thing. I was so, so curious. Like, if the yeah. kids seeing that would change it. Uh, it yeah. There's, I mean, and look, you can you can kind of all start to trace this back to the idea that like the empire is in decline in different ways. Uh, and they they pull on some interesting strings that I wasn't expecting with. Uh, the Cleon specifically. Um, yeah. There's a there's a another actor is brought in to play like a, a like twenty something instead of like the small kid. So we get like they don't uh, just de-age Lee Pace. <laughs> no. Oh God! If only I would more leave. <laughs> yeah. The, um, yeah. I forget uh, exactly who the actor is, but the, you you you're spending time with um the youngest brother being of like you know. Uh, early adulthood age and there's some really interesting things that they do with that character uh later on that kind of really digs into that question of like all right you're all clones um does that mean you're all literally the same like how does that work with Mm. the way that this person who's taking care of you uh the is being the kind of weird institutional memory for these people and like the ways that that kind of is when something is maybe slightly different that hasn't been in a long time. Things start to get shaken up or uh wrinkle. It's really, they do some really great stuff with both the younger dust, the, the younger brother and um, 
uh, what's her name? Uh, Dermazel uh, in later episodes. Well, that does make me excited because I'm so curious, like what they're going to continue to do with the, the, this character of like the Trinity of emperors uh, that, that are running, running the show here. Yeah. Um, I think the, the last aside here is that the one thing that did sort of come into sharper focus for me watching foundation is that like, the degree to which Dune actually did feel like a really lavishly produced miniseries, like first episode, yeah, rather than like a self-contained movie. And like I have a high tolerance for movies being like part one of a trilogy and kind of having like a somewhat incomplete ending, but like both knowing the story of like that novel, but also just the way that movie shakes out, like I do kind of feel that if I were not so bought in on like Dune as a series, I'm not sure that movie would have satisfied me. You know what I mean? Like it, like the, to a degree I'm looking at it as uh, well, this, this might've been better served by sort of just leaning into this kind of format. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I was deeply unfamiliar. I don't, I've never read the books, hadn't seen the original Lynch film and started actively avoiding it when my wife is a huge Dune had like like in the Lynch movie is one of her like favorites uh, of all. It was like a you know you everyone has that movie that like the VHS was just like in the house and you just watched it a billion times yeah. like regardless of the quality and that's less me commenting on the quality of that film as much as like that was just like one of those movies for her that she they just wore out the VHS on when she was growing <laughs> up and so at that one I was just kind of like avoiding it. I was like well I don't want to have the story sort of spoiled for me. I'll just wait for the new one. And then I can always go back and watch the Lynch one afterwards. Um, but yeah, I mean, yes, like the, the end of part one is like profoundly unsatisfying. It feels like it, you know, <laughs> for all the people who love Dune, who probably don't like um, MCU movies or have huge problems with it. Boy, there's a specific, specific scene you see someone doing in the desert at the very end of that on top of something that feels like a post credit stinger for like, please pay money for this movie. So you can see the characters do this in the next one. <laughs> um, um, so I think like that, oh. that ending has a little more in, in common than people uh, may want, want to admit. But I, I thought, I think it, even though it is, they it is foreshadowed a, that earlier on too, which I think was fun. There was a character yes, who was like yes. definitely about to do that shit. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's why. Yeah. I, I think the fact that it frames itself as part one, even though, it's like an unsatisfying ending. I found like the movie to be such a meal that it didn't, it, I don't, it didn't, it didn't, yeah. it didn't, I didn't feel disappointed as much as I was just like, yeah, of course, you know, I mean, it's not as clean as a, you know, fellowship of the ring where you, you know, you, you, you see the two towers on the horizon at the end of the movie. And it's like, Oh yeah, of course this is like, a, ah, I'm so excited for the next one. Whereas this one is like, I am excited for the next one, but I don't have that kind of ah moment at the end. It's more kind of a, calm and collected and we'll see you yeah we'll see you next time but, well the weird uh, thing definitely. is like tolkien though is able to sketch out a dramatic narrative for the first part of his trilogy right this is like i don't know guys we just <laughs> the movie's getting a little long and <laughs> really get to, like i was saying i was like i swear to god like so i had been so blacked out on dune news by the way that i had assumed they were going to get through half the story <laughs> no, it's, so like I'm first, it's like it. the first third, right? Like it's it's a very early. End. If that they're going to have to elide some stuff, if like because mm -hmm. the things they spent time on here, the amount of shit that they could do, like with learning the ways of the Fremen, right, is just endless. And right. so I'm sitting there, I'm like, but he doesn't need to. He's the 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 chosen. Well, one. he would he would know their ways as if born to them. True. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, he's got a you know. 
<laughs> There's some things. To, gotta, well, but gotta learn to do that thing. That's the one interesting thing that I think did happen at the end, though, right? Is the little, I mean, I guess, yeah. Spoilers for the end of Dune. He fucks up, right? Like that's breaks, what I couldn't. He breaks the he, prophecy. So he's supposed to like get stabbed in that fight, right yeah. at the end. Yes, he. But he does. He literally is too afraid. He does the thing. He the fear mind killed him, and he he breaks the thing that he's supposed to do according to prophecy, uh, which I think is an interesting thing for like this supposedly prophetic character to be like, well, fuck, and like not follow through, um, which was what left well, me curious. Been clearer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, say true. Like that's a like, big leap. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know this guy that you like. Would totally hey, that's a friend. That's a ass. friend. Don't fucking. Don't, yeah. That's a friend. You're gonna Whoops. save him, right? Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's but like either way, I'm sitting there. I'm like, I, like literally, like halfway through the movie, I'm like, I just don't know how they're gonna get to the like the the half of the movie where he sort of accepts as the leader of the Fremen. I just don't know how we're gonna get to <laughs> yeah. that. And the answer was, we are not even going to try. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's all like, oh, this is all the setup stuff. Um, but yeah. I, I dug it a lot. It's it's uh, salad days for those of us who, who love our big uh, ridiculous sci-fi epics, um, and and so we are we are being we are being well stocked uh, <laughs> with these with with these stories. Uh, I think that's a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint or on Facebook and YouTube at Waypoint Vice. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney Patrick. Where are you? Uh, you can follow me uh, at Patrick Clubbing. <laughs> Rob, we um, we should, maybe Kato could cut this out and put it at the beginning, or we can leave it in both places. But we should probably tell people that we're hiring. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're hiring. Uh, we have a position posted. It's for a producer. No, we're not firing Kato. <laughs> um, shit. <laughs> yeah, sorry you had to find out this way, man. Uh, your position's being listed, but don't even worry about it. Wink. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely. Could, just could you put all your logins and shit in a file for how, us? How do I run a stream? Just out of my own curiosity. <laughs> That's yeah. why Rob asked me. <laughs> uh, no, so I mean, the the thing is, we have a bit of an odd job listing because it's a bit of a strange job. Like, there's a few different ways. That the position could be developed. Like the the short answer is, we are incredibly short staffed. We have a lot of needs. We could build around a lot of different skill sets. Uh, but f- the 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 big takeaway here is that we are hiring uh, for a senior level position here at Waypoint. Um, and you can find the listing. Well, there'll probably be something, uh, you know, in the in the post for this episode. Uh, but obviously, Patrick and I have been tweeting about it as well. Yeah. Uh, so the position is remote uh, and it is listed as a producer. But in, in fact, like if you notice the job description, sure emphasizes like reporting, writing, editing. I mean, the short version is like we, we didn't write the we had influence over how it was written. There's you in a big company, HR, yada, 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 like. I mean, the, the basic pitch is like we want to find someone to work with, and yeah. like that—that's what it is. Like you know, uh, so we're, we're trying to cast a really wide net. Um, we're trying to be really open-minded on like who that person could be. Um, so we don't, you know, we we put in the kinds of things we're looking for, but mostly as a way of like 
you know, like I said, casting that wide, wide net. I don't think we're looking for some a hyper specific type of person with a hyper specific skill set, because I think if we find a person that we are really gel with or interested in, like we can scale Waypoint in a lot of different ways. Like that's part of what Waypoint Plus allows us to do is to be choosier about that. There's like a different world where, yeah, the person we're hiring absolutely has to be someone that can be doing news and reported features that can hopefully get, you know, one out of 10 of them can hit on Reddit so we can get our numbers up. And that's just not the case. So we're, you know, part of what we're doing here is Rob and I are also thinking through like, who would we want to work with? And I think that's like more than anything is like, because of what we do, a lot of streams, podcasts, all like stuff like that would be, you know, pretty critical in what someone is doing here. We want to be able to get along like someone and make cool shit and like talking to them for hours and hours and hours and on end. And then we can kind of, we can kind of go from there. So, um, I don't know. I've been telling people who, uh, Various levels of experience, like, I don't know, shoot your shot. We're 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 trying to keep an open mind about it too, uh, in terms of uh of what we're gonna uh, move forward with. But um right now we're in that phase of just trying to see who's who's interested in coming to work with us potentially. Yeah, and um you know, I'll just say I don't think we've totally plumbed the depths of the talent the Chicago suburbs can offer. <laughs> uh, I think I think we can squeeze another Chicago sports fan into this website and, as long and as really they're not just lock from, in that brand. Uh, no one from Naperville. Sorry, Naperville people <laughs> not allowed. Um, can <laughs> unless you're willing to uh, uh, just say you're not from Naperville anymore. If you if you have problems <laughs> with Naperville, we can talk about it. People who are from Illinois and know what Naperville is, you'll know you'll know you know what I'm talking about. Fuck Naperville. Patrick, you're from Barrington, right? No, not from Barrington. Okay. Barrington's got a little neighbor. Barrington from Barrington, probably not a strike in your favor. Uh, not not a mark in your favor. <laughs> Barrington's got a little bit of Naperville energy. Also, I, I've been I'm clo- I'm close enough to it uh, and have been in the past that uh, yeah, there's some there's some rich people uh, <laughs> energy flowing through uh, places like yeah. That, this is like so. my relationship with New Trier. Uh The <laughs> Oh, but on a more serious note, uh, so yeah, the position is remote. Uh, it's listed as Brooklyn, but that's just because, like, again, motherboard waypoint. The mothership yep. is the Brooklyn office, um, wherever that ends up being. Right. Uh, but the the position is remote. The one thing is, uh, I was sort of, I'm still confirming this, but it looks like it's going to be a U.S. only position. Um, I'm still making sure there's absolutely like no chance for non-U.S. residents uh, to to get in before I sort of commit to that uh but it would right also now, just be difficult it would also be difficult from a scheduling sort of like for well, the that's kind the of person thing. the kind of person we're looking for um even if you put aside it was hard you know, enough when i started on the west coast here right uh and like making that match up uh but yeah if you were like to throw in like uk time uh into this in into this mix uh it gets real chaotic well, uh, and if we're if we're lu- you know if we're lucky you know if you asked me a year ago that i say we'd be in a position to be hiring someone where Rob and I get to like think through that um, and, and find someone we're really excited about like that wouldn't, I would have, I would have bet against that Rob. I would have bet more <laughs> in the favor that we were doing something else at this point. Um, and that's not the case. And so, you know, the future may be different in that regard. If we, if we are lucky enough at this point, it's like, you know, who knows what could happen. Now we're in a spot where, you know, we've got brought Natalie in and we can, we can hire someone whole cloth. Like that's exciting. So even if that, Rob will verify that one way or the other. Um, but even if um, 
you know, th- that doesn't work out logistically. Like who knows what the, uh, the future brings because things like Waypoint Plus have have opened a lot of doors that were previously closed. Um, and I think that's the really exciting takeaway from a lot of this so far. All right. And uh, remember, that's been enabled in large part or exclusively because of Waypoint Plus. Uh, so if you want to support Waypoint or you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Uh, that gives you access to our premium feed. Uh, but obviously, that also helps us support do things like streams and staff up for the first time in ages. Uh, so once again, that's waypointplus.com. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Uh, that's us uh, calling time on this episode we'll be talking to you again on friday until then fuck capitalism go home or come work for us Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.